Thank you for listening to the KBOO Evening News. This is Totality of Circumstances, a monthly show focused on police oversight in Portland. I'm Sam Bowman. For the last year or so, we've been focusing on the work of the Police Accountability Commission, or the PAC, or just PAC. And a reminder for our listeners, the PAC came about as a result of a ballot measure in 2020, and they are tasked with developing a new community-led police oversight system for the city. They've been meeting since late 2021 and are scheduled to submit their proposal to City Council this summer. The PAC is made up of 20 volunteers representing different groups within the city, and while they've seen some turnover, they have managed to maintain full membership, which is no small accomplishment in the world of Portland volunteer oversight bodies. Structure-wise, they have divided their work up into several phases, with each phase having subcommittees devoted to specific focus areas. The phase that just finished up is Phase 3, the Powers and Duties phase, in which three subcommittees developed lengthy and detailed proposals around access to information, individual office account- officer accountability, and structural oversight. My co-host Jasmine was out this month, but I sat down with the co-chairs for the Powers and Duties phase on February 17th, which was just after the full commission approved their three proposals. Uh, They have since moved on to the uh, Phase 4, the Structure and Details phase, and just had their first meeting for that last night. I'm uh, Ajay Mechi, also known as Jay, and I um, am a community organizer with the organization Freedom to Thrive. And yeah, we focus on um, building sort of a world that invests people in the planet and divests from you know, systems that really uh, chew black and brown bodies up and spit them out, you know, including like the prison industrial complex. So, um, yeah, when it was when I when that um, measure passed and it was time to, you know, implement or like build that new system, because obviously I think everybody can kind of agree that the system right like as it is right now is not working um, around police accountability. So we're trying to rebuild one, build a new one. And uh, I just thought, you know, maybe I want to be part of the process. I'm Tirsa. I was also a co-chair in the powers and duties phase, which actually just finished um, this Monday, uh, February, February 13th. Um, and currently we are getting ready to start in our next phase of work, our uh, structures and duties phase of work. And I will be a co-chair on the subcommittee of um, staff membership. Um, and what brought me to be on the committee is mostly my upbringing. I've uh, grew up in a low-income community, and I went to schools where it was pretty common to have uh, police present. Um, and so that was like my reality. That, and I thought that was normal until I was in high school, and I and I started to realize that um, students were constantly being targeted um, by police. Um, and so I just always carried a, uh, I guess, anger towards, uh, the system of, um, policing, um, and the country. 
Um, and so I wanted to do something. Um, and so I joined this commission for that reason. I'm a Christian. Uh, I was also a uh, full commission co-chair during the powers and duties phase, um, which like uh, Tears has said, just wrapped up. Um, feels really good. <laughs> you wanted to know it a little bit about us? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm just a community member. I'm an artist. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I've done some organizing work, um, like mutual aid projects, stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> what brought me to the work was uh, kind of a similar thing. I, I grew up low income um, as well um, in over-policed communities. Um, I kind of had a dissonant experience because I grew up um, around a lot of uh, white communities in my schools, um, but saw something different in my own in my own neighborhoods um so that dissonance kind of culminated in as i learned more and more about um systemic racism and stuff like that it culminated in me wondering how to um help uh, my name is austin foster i use she her pronouns and i am the community engagement and communications coordinator for the police accountability commission um i just wanted to kind of get an idea of what your approach has been during this um phase uh, do you try to bear in mind things like the changing, uh, many would say, more conservative makeup of city council and the potential opposition of the Portland Police Association? Or when you're coming up with these powers and duties and um, like, like what what has your have those things factored into your guideposts and decision making? Um, but, you know, in this phase. Uh, you know, I mentioned before when I was talking about like when I was referencing the charter about how we were trying to make things as foolproof, you know, as possible. And, you know, that's me. I wouldn't say that was necessarily because of having a more conservative um, council right now, even though I personally believe that's true. Like, I, I think it's more like regardless of how progressive or. Um, conservative the council is the police union you know if they can poke holes in something they will um and so regardless of whether you know joanne is there or like joanne hardesty is there or renee gonzalez is there like it has to be um based in the law you know based in you know what is considered to be i guess like fact and uh data and information and based on best practices from around the country uh, regardless of of who's sitting on council. But I mean, I think for me personally, it's something that I, I've thought about, like, you know, okay, how do we make this even more foolproof? Uh, but at the same time, also acknowledging that if city council doesn't vote for what we create, then the um, they will be out of compliance, you know, with this DOJ agreement. And either they're going to have to create something themselves or which was, you know, I mean, do they really want to go through the process that we've been going through this whole time? Doubtful. Um, so the options are to, you know, take what we create, which, you know, by my account, I think will be as foolproof as possible, pretty open and shut. Um, or they make something better and show the DOJ that somehow what they created in, you know, a span of, a, you know, um, I don't know how long, maybe in a few weeks or a few months, you know, what they create is going to be better or equal to us it seems it seems like unlikely given the amount of time and the amount of research and i mean we're working two to three days a week for like two and a half hour like three hour meetings and you know uh, a dozen commissioners going through pages and pages and pages of documents 
Um, so it's hard to see how they would do something better. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the point being is that like, yes, it's something that I personally thought about and other people we've mentioned in meetings and stuff like that. But as far as um, our strategy, I would say just kind of remains the same, that it's based in, you know, the facts of the law. Um, it's based within the scope of what we're, um, what duties we were given to do. And so when we hand them this thing, it's open and shut that, okay, this is what was created. This is what we hand over to the DOJ to be, to get back into compliance um, with uh, the lawsuit and also to follow the um, the will of the people, which is, you know, the measure that was passed with 80 something, what is it, 82%, you know, so it's not just the DOJ that they had to be accountable to. It's also, you know, 82% of Portlanders who are um, desperate for a change. So regardless of how conservative they are, I mean, they're, they're not like, I wouldn't imagine that they would do something to like, you know, uh, go against the will of the people. Um, but I mean, I guess you never know, but um, I think the will of the people is pretty clear and, you know, we live in a free country. Hopefully we don't live in a fascist place. You know, a political minority doesn't have the right to override the will of the people. So that's that. That's my opinion. My understanding is that the, the deadline is in October of this year. Is that still the case? Um, it's it's a little, yeah, it's the deadline um, for the DHA settlement is in October. Um, but council gave us until June, I think, 9th, was it? Oh, 29th, 40, was that? Yeah, 9th, okay, cool. I was like, 49th? <laughs> um, yeah, June 9th, um, which is a much shorter timeline. Um, and... Uh, we can talk more about that as well if you'd like, but we're in the process of trying to align those two um, deadlines so that we have a little bit more time because um, currently it's 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 a pretty tight turnaround and it's tough to get all that work in while also you know everyone on the everyone on the commission is a volunteer so you know everyone has jobs and life and kids and whatever yeah. <laughs> everyone has a lot of things going on um, so it's hard to fit it all in in that little tight timeline without more room breathing room. And I, I had seen it was on the council agenda, but it got bumped up, and I'm guessing it just hasn't. Yeah, it's yeah. it's been it's been moved a few times. That's one of those like ongoing where us through staff are like communicating with council, so we don't like directly communicate. It's like a, yeah, it's kind of an ongoing um thing. We're hoping that it gets on in the next some and whenever really whenever, whenever it can. We're just keeping an eye on when it's when it gets put on the agenda, and hopefully that um, is a positive result. Yeah. And so each of the three of you has sat on one of the three subcommittees, and that is uh, structural oversight, officer accountability, and access to information. Um, and I was uh, wondering if each of you could just, you know, you don't have, I've, I've, in case our listeners haven't seen the documents that came out of each of these committees, they are very detailed and lengthy, and I'm not asking you to go through them point by point because you've already done that like five or six times. Um, but are there like, what is a, a major change to the system uh, in terms of powers and duties that would be had by this new uh, oversight um, structure that came out of these processes? The uh, subcommittee that I was on worked on uh, developing areas of agreement for access to information, um, which covered uh, subpoena power, um, compelling uh, testimony, um, access to police records, and uh, we also discussed uh, body-worn um, camera footage. Uh, and 
I, I think one new, something new that um, is currently not practiced uh, with the current oversight um, here in Portland is the direct access to uh, police records. So we are, uh, the subcommittee requested that the new oversight board have direct access to uh, police records, including um, body-worn uh, camera footage. And then also something uh, else that would be new is the um, subpoena power. So having um, the support of uh, city council with issuing subpoenas for testimony and um, going back to like the body camera footage. Um, so while the city has not fully implemented or has not implemented the body worn uh, uh, cameras for police officers, we are keeping an eye on that change. And there was a new article that was released uh, this week um, about uh, body worn camera footage and how yeah, the city with the PPA um, are expected to not resolve that anytime soon. Um, so that's something that we uh, will be um, discussing at a at a future time be because of the possibility that our work may be completed prior to that being resolved. Um, and I did just want to follow up on that quick. I remember from watching, it was probably several uh, access to information meetings ago, um, there was a discussion about the board potentially being the holder of uh, body-worn camera footage. Um, I'm curious what the result of that conversation was, because I know that's a big sticking point with the potential arbitration um, between the city and PPA. Yes, the, the, um, we are recommending that the, the new oversight board be the owners of the uh, camera footage or the co-owners along with, uh, with the bureau. So that's what we are bringing forward as of now. Um, well, I can go next and I can talk about uh, structural oversight. It's not going to be as detailed, but um, basically the purpose of structural oversight was just really to focus on the process of making like these systemic changes. So um, like how do how would people propose or the board propose policy changes for PPB and, uh, you know, make these policy recommendations and training recommendations uh, based off of um, their own inquiries, but also uh, inquiries from the community and input from the community and um, thinking about. Um, yeah, I mean, really, it was just like going through the, the process of like, how do we make these um, these uh, wide scale changes and wide scale inquiries. And, and, you know, as one example that was uh, mentioned in our areas of agreement was the Sentinel over uh, Sentinel event reviews, which happen has happened in other places like in Seattle and stuff like that, where, you know, where they have these, um, these moments, like, for example, uh, the one in Seattle, where uh, they had like police had, you know, uh, interacted in, you know, these not great ways with protesters and there was a lot of um, community outrage and they had the sentinel event review to really look at um, what was the systemic failure in that event you know so instead of focusing just on 
okay, let's find the the bad apples. Let's punish the one bad guy and go about business as usual. But like looking at the totality of the situation and being able to say, this was a this was a, a policy failure, you know. And so based on understanding this as a policy failure, what what needs to change? Um, and so that was uh, one of the things that we wrote about it, and we were asking um, that be implemented was these uh, sentinel event reviews. Um, uh, but also, you know, we went through the the process of how uh, community and uh, board members themselves um, request a policy change. So, you know, that was it. <laughs> the other the other uh, subcommittees, I feel like their areas of agreement were like four times longer than, than structural oversight. It was, it was a lot. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was on officer accountability, which um, uh, like Ajay mentioned, was uh, the biggest, we had the largest uh, lift out of the three. I think our document ended up being like twice as long as both of the others, <laughs> um, which was, it was pretty beefy. Um, um, but some of the bigger things, basically we were focused on, it's a pretty self-explanatory title for the subcommittee. We were focused on um, keeping officers accountable um, at the individual level. Um, so whereas structural oversight more focused on the larger um, elements and policy change and stuff, we focused more on um, the actual system. So when a um, complainant um, comes in and uh, makes a complaint about an officer, um, how would that intake happen? Um, who would do that intake? Actually, I think who is the next step, next phase, but we basically we, the basic structure of how it happens, so how the intake go down, um, an investigation would happen afterwards, um, would there be an option for mediation? That was something as well. Um, if they wanted to just go straight to uh, the supervisor of the officer instead of actually going through investigation, um, where that would fit in, um, we had a whole flow chart. Um, I don't know if it's public yet, um, but it should be eventually. Um, but it, yeah, it's basically was where we were trying to condense it down a little bit because through the fact finding phase, we found that a lot of people, um, ourselves included, as we did the research, um, found the current system to be really convoluted and complicated, um, not easy to use. Um, one big change that we made that I don't think has happened in any other city in the United States, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, other co-chairs in um, Austin, but um, was uh, we added uh, an advocate um, that would be given to a, complain a complainant um, and would stay with them throughout the whole process from the beginning to the end. Um, that person could go in with them during like uh, investigation uh, hearings, stuff like that. Um, as a support person to help them navigate the system. And they would also, hopefully, again, all of this is not speculative, but it hasn't been implemented yet. But ideally, if this if this does get accepted, um, they would also hopefully be able to have access to information that maybe the complainant wouldn't have. Um, so they would have the context that the complainant might not have, and they could share what they could, stuff like that. Um, basically kind of a mediator between the complainant and this really big, scary system, you know, um, which there are a lot of things that we can, this is something we run into or like, there's a lot of things that we can't change. Um, and it's kind of frustrating. So adding the advocate is kind of a way to try and have that harm reduction there, um, which is kind of a bit of the name of the game. It's like, I have mixed feelings about it, but <laughs> it at least hopefully will help uh, in some way in the future. Um, yeah, those were some of the bigger points. Um, some of the overlap was around like, we discussed to uh, subpoena power and stuff like that. Um, and I think uh, access to information um, had a role and we had, there's a little bit, of, I don't know if there's communication necessarily, but there was a little bit of overlap there. Um, and I think we do, we also do have somewhere in the document, um, a note about uh, having uh, reviews of, um, I think annual maybe reviews on um all the different uh, complaints that have happened throughout that year. So if there's a consistent pattern, there needs to be some kind of review of why that pattern is happening. 
Um, and then that would overlap with a structural oversight, obviously, because then it would be like, well, if this pattern is happening, there may be a reason for it. Maybe that reason is policy. Let's implement a new policy, maybe have a new training. Um, yeah. Sorry, I literally just remember what I was going to say. Apologies. The sticking point was that uh, we are hoping to uh, be able to have a, a seat at the table during um, things like things that are currently closed meetings, like um, appeals processes. So like if an officer re re uh, doesn't agree with a discipline that's set forward and it goes to arbitration, um, currently those are closed door meetings. But ideally, if our if our system gets implemented in the way that it's currently proposed, um, someone from the board would be at those meetings. So there would be a little bit more of a voice and connection um, for the complainant, because ideally they'd be able to communicate and back and forth and advocate um, in those moments as well. Hopefully that's enough context. We had a really big, like I said, it was a huge document, so I may not remember everything, but those were the bigger sticking points in my mind. Maybe these are things that would get worked out in future phases or something, but I'm curious where, where things have kind of landed with what sort of information can or will get released to the public. Um, from the results of these investigations? Um, and the, uh, this current phase, we mostly talked about how the board would have access to those police records. Um, we haven't fully uh, dived in how um, the public would also have access to, to those records, uh, but it has sort of been, it has sort of come up in conversation um, what this face of work really tried to do was uh, to ensure that the oversight board, the new oversight board would have access to um, police records and the databases that also hold uh, any law enforcement um, agency records in, in the city of, of Portland, like, uh, um, and, and federally as well, uh, like CGIS, um, but I anticipate that um, that would be a conversation that we will um, touch at a later phase. So the next phase is structure and details, um, kind of currently on a timeline of uh, early June, but hopefully October, depending on what the council decides. Um, have like the new co-chairs been chosen? Is there a sense of like the structure of this phase so far? Yeah, we have uh, three new co-chairs that were also appointed in our uh, Monday, uh, February 13th meeting, um, and as well as uh, subcommittee co-chairs for the three um, new subcommittees, which are board membership, oversight agency, and uh, reporting and transparency. Um, we have not uh, had a full commission uh, meeting or any of the subcommittee um, meetings yet. They were the coaches were just appointed um, this Monday. There will be a little more communication between subcommittees this coming phase because the work is a little more overlapped. So I think we might have like uh, some hybrid meetings um, somewhere in there as well. Where so this phase we all like every subcommittee kind of had their own meetings going on, but this coming phase some of the subcommittees might communicate and have like a a joint meeting that will break up into separate meetings throughout, um, depending on what's called for. So the, we always ask the KBU question, which is how can our listeners get involved in things? Um, and I know that there's a probably the most blatant way would be to attend the your meetings and uh, the especially the listening sessions that you hold. I am curious what in this phase, what your experience has been of um, public engagement and what sort of feedback you're getting from the public. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the feedback is, is interesting. Um, because I mean, I think that there's a lot of frustration with the system, which I totally understand. And I think if I was on the other side, <laughs> I probably would, you know, act the same way. Um, you know, sometimes I have that conversation with myself, you know, I remember, uh, earlier in the conversation, I mentioned like, you know, there was kind of a reckoning where you come to terms with, uh, the, the limited power we have, you know? Um, and I think that the public is kind of coming term to terms with that too. And especially with like the headlines out here about the, you know, the union's power and their ability to shut down things that, you know, Portlanders agree on. Um, it gets people really riled up. It gets people really frustrated. Um, and, um, but I, I, you know, I think it's great that people are coming and they're expressing, um, their, their, um, opinions about it because I think that they should be upset and, uh, I think they should stay, you know, not stay upset. Obviously I want people to feel better, but I also want, um, people to stay activated and, you know, stay on their behinds because, <laughs> you know, this is, this is going to need the people like, um, yeah, um, I'll I'll echo that uh, for sure. That um, I totally agree that um, that activation of the community is really important. Um, and like Jay said, the the reckoning <laughs> that a lot of us have gone through on the commission, um, or at least I personally have. I'm again not sure about everyone else, but I feel like generally there might have been a reckoning for some of us. Um, so we 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 feel the pain <laughs> of the community. We're also really frustrated um, with our own limitations. Um, and that's why I think I, I said this earlier, too, and I'll just reiterate it because it's really important, um, in my opinion, um, that this is a really an ongoing thing. Um, and this uh, board, that new board that we're building, this new oversight system that we're building is um, just, a, just a piece of it. Um, after this, there will be something else that we need to change. And, and if this doesn't go through, we'll have to, you know, try and figure out a way to make something else go through that might work better. You know, um, and, and with this, with all its limitations, obviously those those limitations will have to be addressed by someone else. Maybe there's another committee that gets put in place that tries to change state law or like collective bargaining agreements, whatever. I don't know how it all works. Again, it's really complicated, um, but it's it's an ongoing thing, and this is just a piece of it. So staying staying activated is really important. I really um, totally agree, um, and I would say you know for community people who are listening that like we also are struggling with um, those limitations, and we're also frustrated. Um, a lot of the time, but uh, we're doing our best um, within what we're learning is <laughs> the limits of our abilities <laughs> on, the, on this committee. As is probably clear, this is a massive undertaking that you're all involved in. Um, and there's, it's probably literally impossible for us to cover everything that you're doing in an hour. Uh, but if there's anything that you'd like to add that, that you want folks to know, um, I would probably just say that um, if you're listening and you have any questions or input or you have um, filed a complaint before, uh, we would love to hear from you. So please email us at policeaccountability@portlandoregon.gov. Um, that is a great way to get a hold of the staff for the P Police Accountability Commission. And we will be able to uh, make sure that those messages that you're sending, those emails that you're sending are getting to the full commission. Um, but really just like everybody's been saying, like saying, get involved. Um, we have weekly meetings almost every Monday and Thursday evening. Um, we have community engagement events that we're trying to do weekly, if not every other week. Um, most of those are open to the public. Some of those are our private listening sessions for targeted like community groups. Um, we did have a community engagement event last night. I think it went 
pretty well. And we were actually able to hear from people who have used the system before to file a complaint. And so I know that was kind of a big part of what we discussed with officer accountability in the subcommittee last phase of work. And so actually like hearing again from people like, hey, this is how it went and it didn't work as we are wrapping up that phase. It's just kind of reiterates how important the work is that we're doing. It's going to take the the power of the the people to get this policy passed through city council. So I've been speaking with uh, Tirsa Oriana, uh, Christian Oriana Bauer, and Ajay Amaechi, uh, the previous co-chairs of the phase three powers and duties phase of the Portland Police Accountability Commission. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having us. And Thank you. Just... Thanks, Sam. Thanks again to Ajay, Christian, and Tirsa for talking about the work of the PAC, and we will be back next month to talk with the co-chairs of the Structure and Details phase, or we're hoping to. As a reminder to listeners who would like to get involved, the PAC's meetings are public, primarily held on Zoom, and include at least monthly public listening sessions as well as public comment at every meeting, and also accepted in writing. To learn more about the PAC's work and view the documents they have produced so far, check out their website at portland.gov police accountability. They just had a meeting last night for the Subcommittee on Reporting and Transparency, and their next scheduled meeting is on Thursday, March 2nd, and is a joint meeting of the Board Membership and Oversight Agency Subcommittees. This has been Totality of Circumstances for February 2023. Catch us next month on March 28th. That's Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. right after the KBOO Evening News here on KBOO Portland, your community radio station. Have a great night.